Hey guys, welcome to the Cup of Nurses podcast with your hosts, Peter Fendero and myself, Matt Solarczyk. This is a podcast where we tackle current health news and hot nursing topics, one conversation at a time. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for listening. Anybody that's out there, subscribe, like, comment, share. This is how we grow and it motivates us to keep creating high quality content for you guys. PD, how we doing? I'm doing good, man. We have a trifecta of topics for you guys today. They are pretty, pretty intense, pretty interesting. Uh, a few of them that, that we've dealt with. One's a little more personal, and of course, the third one's going to be a little bit more, more interesting, more opinion, opinion based. So today, guys, we're going to talk about some emerging infection called Candida auris. We're also going to talk about the protests going on in Poland that are basically about the abortion laws that are changing in, in the country of Poland. And then, the thirdly, we're going to talk about the election results and what we think is going on and how is that going to impact our lives in the future? Let's do it. And first, let's just go over some cases of what's happening when it comes to C nineteen, and we'll just do a hit. We'll just hit United States. So in the United States, we have ten point one million cases with two hundred forty three thousand deaths, and we never talk about this, but there's six point four million people that have recovered from this. Yeah, the survival rates like like what, 90-something percent? Like 99 point something? Yeah, or 90 as, point yeah. Something? as cases are going up, the mortality rate has not changed or anything like that. And as you know, hospitals are always busy around this time. So it's not like, you know, something to anticipate, something different that's happening. When it comes to the top five states, uh, Texas is actually number one. California is second. Florida is third. New York is fourth. And Illinois is fifth. We actually had somebody that did a travel nursing contract in texas and it and they're getting paid like fatty which makes sense why mm-hmm. there's there's an outbreak in texas so if you guys are nurses or travel nurses i would definitely look into texas because their rates are amazing there definitely and I, there's a lot of nurses also scattering to illinois too in new york so is there any of those is going to be a really good choice if you want to make some money and not i guess not to be a dick but if you want to take advantage of the of pandemic of this pandemic to you know, make some more money and for your benefit, you could definitely hit one of these five states and you're going to get like a nice little little bonus. You're definitely going to get higher pay. Yeah, I would not, I would take that back. You're not a dick, man. It's just what it is. Like there's money to be made. Yeah. There's sick, sick people. We take care of sick people all the damn time and it's just part of the job. And money is the best motivator. So if you want to get shit done, throw somebody some more money exactly. and wow, somehow it gets done. You know, it's, it's like you want something done for like, it's say a thousand dollars and a guy's like, no, I can't do it. Throw in 2000, you know, and then I'll make it happen. You know, that kind of thing. But what's kind of interesting that we talked about a few days ago is, it's still like California has the tightest restriction laws out of all the states. And they're always in a top, they're always top two in cases. So it's like, are these masks really working? Like if these states that have really strict laws regarding C-19 and where you could go and what you could do, and they're like doing strict mask enforcement. Like this kind of, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, but this kind of shows that, you know, masks probably aren't solving the majority of, of the issues that we're having with this pandemic. I kind of already want to bounce into the whole election thing, but we'll save it because what if now we're going to get a national order for uh, mandated masks? We'll see. Because I think the CDC released a document that said that if we have the stay at home order plus the masks, I believe. There was percentages of mortality rates and the like, cases that 80% of people didn't go to the hospitals and all that. But like, of course, if you're going to keep people at home and make them freaking put on masks that there's not, there's going to be less of an outbreak. But like, what's the long term outcome here? Do you want us to always stay at home? Like how there's no happy ending to this. It makes no sense. I mean, there's a happy ending. You could do the So if you do the stay at home mandate order, 
people actually people stay at home and you force people to stay at home yeah you're gonna de- decrease all kinds of infection flu season is, isn't gonna be as bad the c19 isn't gonna be as, as bad these like transmitted diseases and infections they're not gonna be as, as prevalent yeah no shit because you're staying at home you're not in contact with anybody but how long is it gonna be in effect six months one year like one of my I'm, maybe I'm talking out of my ass, but if it's for one year, that's crazy, dude. There's no way somebody could mandate people to stay at home one year. It's not gonna be like that. It might be like a maybe a few weeks. Like I'm okay with with it being a few weeks just to test it out, and if it works, great. Well, we we solve this this issue. But if it doesn't impact it, and they keep having us stay at home, do all these things, abide by these laws, then that's when it becomes more of a power grab than any kind of benefit on society. It just sounds like you're over it, and so am I, man. It's been like since March of 2020 that we've been dealing with this, and it's just like continuing to escalate you know it's like what are we going to lock kids up forever and homeschooling and even talking to nursing students that are like in their programs right Mm -hmm. like you can't do simulations you got to press buttons on a computer program to take care of a patient on a computer like those nursing students are not going to have real life examples real life the hands-on skills that you need to actually fulfill your job as a nurse and they're and they're going to have that struggle once they get out of nursing school, it's gonna be like, oh shit, I never did this before. I never, I never touched this. I never. T- it's gonna be all new, man. It is. But luckily, as a new grad, you have those thirteen weeks of, of orientation, just coming into it less experience because clinicals are being decreased. They're not as as widespread as they were before because hospitals are are, are scared. You know, teachers don't want to expose their their students to to C nineteen or other infections. You know, so clinicals are definitely cut in half. And that's like the major hands-on learning that, that you do get in, in school. Because rest is lecture-based. There's only so much you can learn as a nurse lecture-based and, and, and theory. Then, Because a lot of our job is hands-on. Yeah. Physicians, they tend to be more theoretical. Hey, how does if we do this, how is it going to affect this? They're more in, in theory, unless they're putting lines in emergently, which is then it's more hands-on. But as nurses, we're doing more of the hands-on kind of things, doing doing like tasks, doing the physician wiping. orders. No. Ass wiping, you know, that kind of shit, you know, no pun intended. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of ass wiping, you want to hop into Candida Oris? Let's do it. So Candida Oris, me and Matt have actually heard about this in our hospital because there was a there was a case that they had. It didn't develop in our hospital, but it came from an out, so outside facility. Home. Yeah, a nursing home. And we got the patient. So our manager was really strict on, on, you know, using proper PPE and not spreading it from patient to patient because this is showing to be a very... Uh, deadly and very hard infection to to uh, to treat. Yeah. Fungal infections in general are pretty hard to treat, but this is like a very intense one to fucking. Get, and you, and get the through. CDC is basically saying this is like an emergent fungus mm-hmm. and it's gonna pose a serious global threat if we don't do anything. So I believe per state and per county where these outbreaks are happening, the CDC is very tight on regulating it. And for one reason, it's multi-resistant to drugs, meaning all the antifungal medications that we have. It has created a infection or a resistance to it commonly that we use to treat regular candida infections. And so just think of like MRSA. Like when you think of MRSA, methicillin resistant Staphylococcus aureus, that's based, this is like the, the MRSA of the funguses. There's like three or four of the most common types of antifungals that we use. And majority of these C. aureus fungal infections, they're resistant to, to all, if not most, of these, of these three or four standard. Um, and the fungus that we give. And fu- fungus is the ones that have the spores, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, and the spores are hard to kill, and this is what makes them like continue to like multiply. And the CDC said that we don't know exactly how infectious it is and how people are likely to die, but based on the small numbers that they have on the cases, 
I believe from October there's uh, 1,364 cases in the United States. So it's it's very small, but nevertheless it's important, right? They said there's a 30 to 60 percent um, death rate from this. So it's 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 pretty serious. And what happens is it's usually related to sepsis, multi organ failure, not necessarily from the infection, but just a cascade of what happens when you're trying to do this. You know, like just to give you an example, like you have this Candida aureus infection. And we can't really treat it with a regular antifungal. So we're probably going to dump like three or four antifungals. As you know, there's side effects of taking antifungals. Maybe your kidneys are going to go to shit or something. Now we're doing dialysis while we're trying to, you know, fight off this infection. You get some pneumonia and then it's just like a cascade, just like we see in hospitals. Then we just, you know, people pass away, unfortunately. Yeah. Another one of the reasons why it's really hard to treat is that it looks very similar to to other funguses so when they do they do cultures and they look at it in the lab it's very difficult to to identify there's like one other fungus that's really really similar to it's like candida h i'm not sure what the the exact name of it is but that's the main thing so it's hard to diagnose so if they have this this affection this c aureus but they're treating you for another fungal infection that's what it looks like you no know, guess what they're not giving you the proper medical treatment that you would need and this and you're not fighting that exact infection so you're just making it more resistant because if you're giving an antifungal to it that it's not going to work against it or if it's really weak so instead of killing 90 to 100 percent of this fungus and you're only killing off 30 to 40 percent because you're not correctly identifying it well guess what you're making that fungus stronger you're making it more resistant because the ones that are going to survive are the ones that are resistant to that antifungal that you're getting so it's pretty crazy man yeah that's and how like that's how you get all these these uh, super super bugs that you give antibiotics for because sometimes people don't identify the right bacteria and this is the this falls on the same category it's kind of mind-blowing too that we have like this powerful technology in our hands right the cell phones and we're able to do beautiful things with the technology is advancing so quick but when you look at healthcare we're still growing bacteria and specimens in petri dishes that we did since like what 1914 i'm making this data up right now. i have no idea when we started doing these tests but it's just like we need to like create quicker, like better technology for testing for bacteria in the hospital. We haven't still found this, you know, like if we have a patient that comes in for sepsis, we do blood cultures, like we're gonna put them on Vanco and Zosin and something else, but it's gonna take three or four days before we find out what that actual bacteria is. And then we switch antibiotics to treat that. Like imagine if we figure out better technology to treat patients quicker. Like that's not, that's not talked about, but why is the money being invested in it? And I'm sure there is. And I wonder what the the barrier is. Why haven't we had better testing? I have no other barriers. But if you could find a way to cut down the turnover time for for blood cultures, you know, that could definitely save lives. Yeah. That'll for sure save lives. Like these broad spectrum antibiotics, like, yeah, they're good. It's a, it's a nice band-aid for now. But there has been times where where someone is septic they're on these antibiotics and broad spectrum ones, Vanco and a few other ones. You do blood culture, they come back negative. And you're like, how are, how are, how are they negative? Like this guy has all this symptoms of sepsis. Like what is going on? It's not, it's not cardiac related. So you do another set of cultures. And then those finally come back positive. You're just like, damn, now it's been six days. Of this yeah, guy, these broad eight. spectrum antibiotics. Yeah. Like, you know, vancomycin isn't going gonna, isn't gonna to hold you off forever. You know, we're not fixing a problem. Like I said, we're killing off a few of those, of those antibacterial or we're killing off a few of those, those cells with these antibiotics. But the strongest ones are surviving, and we're not really hitting the the cause of this of this infection. Yeah, just like the Cereus, like we're if we have to rule out a patient, it's going to take five days. This test is a little bit longer than the other ones, mm. 
And like, you know, we're not even talking about like after X amount of days, we just literally weakened the damn person from using so much antibiotics, including their gut flora. And as we know, 80% of our immune system is in the gut. So we just, we wipe out your immune system trying to fight something off. That person's weak, like he's coming recurrently for pneumonia. Yeah, man, it, it's kind of messed up how healthcare works right now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to figure out. There's no like one, one, two, three step process. Like, it's, it's, all, it's all different. It's not, you, you, it's not like you come in, we scan you, and we know exactly what's going on. There's so much that we've gone on. It's not like when you come in for a broken bone, you could see that your elbow's out of place. That, that's the problem, right? It's, it's not going to be your knee. knee. If someone comes in, in pain and you see they have a, a broken elbow. You're not going to be assessing their, their their knee. They're saying they have generalized pain everywhere. No, you, you see the problem. And guess what? You fix that broken elbow, you know, after a few days, pain goes away. All this stuff is going on internally. We can't see internally. We can't just cut people open or do like an internal scan that's going to show us exactly what's going on. That's why we have so much, that's why we have so much like support. So by support, I mean, we always draw labs, CT scans, x-rays, because we need that information because we cannot see directly what's going on inside. You got to troubleshoot. That's mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah. If, even though you're looking like you have liver liver failure, you're, you're, you're yellow, you got the yellow eyes, we, we still got to do the AST and ALT tests just to make sure because maybe it's it's something else that's going on. And it's why you're like, there's not one system for every, there's no one system for every symptom that you present with. Yeah. It's just figuring shit out. It's like a puzzle. Just like, uh, for example, give you an example of that how that actually works is like, you know, I had a patient came in for altered mental status and like dude was in a wheelchair and was just saying yes, yes, yes. And driving around an electrical scooter came into the ER and for some reason his just gas went to shit. They intubated him. He had two seizures. They did a, you know, CT scan. He doesn't have a stroke. He doesn't have like any carotid issues, you know, blood flow to the brain perfusion and he never had a seizure. What's going on with this guy, you know? So then we're going to do a lumbar puncture. Maybe he has meningitis. In this case, we could even do a lumbar puncture because he had hardware in his lower back. And that's just, yeah, you're troubleshooting every day, trying to see. And it's just like every day is just like this little progress of getting down to the problem of what the hell is happening. Yeah. So a thing in hospital, if you don't know what's going on with you, we're going to take it as like a system system approach. So we're going to try and break down what's what's going on in each system. And we can't get the big picture of what's actually happening. Well, we're gonna do little things for each system. You know, we're gonna try different antibiotics. We're going to, like Matt said, we're gonna do a lump, lumbar proximal. Maybe it's that, and we're gonna just do one thing at a time. It's a slow process, uh, but that's the way we have to do it because we can't do aggressive treatment for anybody that's you know very fragile. Right? Yeah. You can you can do everything at once. You have to do trial and error. Try it out. Does it work? No. Did it help? No. Then it's not do it. Or let's try it out. Did did it work? No. Is it showing some benefit? Yeah. All right. Then let's keep doing doing that. Let's add some another treatment modality. Yeah. It's it's like um treating hypotension, right? Your patient you had a couple of days ago. It's like okay, let's do some fluids. Let's do some albumin. Okay. Hey, blood pressure goes up. Good. If it doesn't, okay, let's go for a presser. Yeah. But anyways, um, see Arius. When it comes to the hospital protocols, we had an like a mandatory email that we had to read about this because that's how serious they want mm-hmm. to track it, and they don't want it to go from another room. And cause an outbreak so for one the equipment stethoscopes have to be in the room that's it once they go in there they're not coming out that patient that i had that we needed an x-ray to be done that x-ray machine stayed in the room for all five days that the patient was it couldn't leave the room that's how seriously they're taking it of course proper ppe they want us to wear a gown some gloves and you know it's not about just going into the room really quick and making a quick iv adjustment they want us to completely 
going up every single time. They want us to wipe down our workspace with some Oxivir slash bleach wipes. This includes every single shift, they said, like IV pumps, whatever it is. And they don't want those patients to be uh, paired up with any post-op patients. So no ECMOs, CRTs, no high-risk patients. And of course, hand hygiene, scrub for 20 seconds and all that beautiful stuff to get the gunk out. Yeah, so strict contact, strict, strict contact. We actually had a patient that actually had it, and one was, um, he, it was a rule out. So those two are always paired together. So like, like, like Matt said, you don't want to pair with anybody that's coming out of surgery that's maybe hemodynamically unstable. Definitely not somebody that is an organ transplant, right? You don't want to give pair them up with somebody that's like a fresh heart or a fresh kidney or just a kidney or, or a heart in general because they're going to have a weakened immune system as well. So I actually was talking to one of the nurses um, or a few of them, and they actually told me how how hard this is actually to, to treat. So they were saying that one nursing home that had a spread of this, they had to take off all the patients and they had to destroy all the walls. Wow. Because you can't, that's how hard is it to disaffect. Like it was more efficient and more safer to just dis- break down the walls and put new walls up. That's how hard this is to treat. Yeah, we, we did this. I think we do UV therapy and they still use bleach. I think they had like a special machine or two at the same time when they were doing the like the de cleansing, if that's what you want to call it, of the yeah, rooms. Yeah, uh, Trudy. Well, in all hospitals, we call it Trudy with the UV light. And they were even saying that that doesn't kill all the spores either. Wow. So that's why it's that's why they're all crazy about it. It's That's insane, dude. And in a hospital, it's not going to spread that well or it's not very common for it to spread because we do proper ppe we do proper cleaning everything is is on point we have special rooms everyone's separated you know each patient usually has their own room in the icu it's how it usually is but we keep things very clean we're very anal about these things and we don't kind of mess around compared to a nursing home where you have all these patients coming together for for breakfast or for dinner or you know if they're bed bound they're obviously not but they're not as strict on their guidelines as, as we are Right. Yeah, and that's like, why when patients... Because you never work in a nursing home, right? I've worked in a nursing home before, and it's like, yeah, you follow the guidelines, but it's a little bit... Say it how it is, Pete. Yeah, it's not, it's not as strict, strictly enforced as in a hospital. Like, I'll, I, I still ward, I still follow all the guidelines, but some, some people necessarily didn't. Like, you know how, even in, in a hospital, you pop in a room real quick, signs a pump, and, and you hop back out. That's kind of how it was in a nursing home, too. But when someone has this kind of affection, like, you, you shouldn't risk that. Plus, like plus, you got, plus you got like 20 patients and like you don't have time to be True. doing a little nitty gritty right yeah. in a way. Yeah, not not to be like like a dick either, but I feel like I have a pretty asshole outlook on life sometimes. But like these, I know, you're, you're judging yourself way too hard well, right I'm now, not, man. I'm not judging myself way too hard because I'm not going to like, it's how I am and I'm okay with it. But like in nursing home, people are usually in their 80s, 90s, like they're older. So it's just like, it's not as, I don't want to say it's not as serious, but you know, if you're in nursing home and you're older, like you're... Your life expectancy in a nursing home isn't very long, like maybe five years, if, if, if that, yeah. you know, in a hospital, your goal of treatment is to, is to get better and eventually leave the hospital and go home in the same condition that you came in or better. Right. And nursing home, like you're, you're there kind of permanently, you're, you're there to stay, yeah. you're mostly going to pass away there. So I feel like it's not as uh, serious for the most part. Like, yeah. you know, I agree with you. I agree completely. So how is it diagnosed, guys? So how do we diagnose this C. aureus? Well, just like any kind of you know bloodstream infection, it's going to be diagnosed with cultures or some kind of bodily fluid. So like Matt said, it takes a few days, and that's kind of the pain in the ass about these cultures, where it could take up to three days, and as long as they do come inconclusive, or they come positive with a few different um, bacteria or fungus, but sometimes 
So what happened to me before a few times is I'm not sure if I didn't properly sanitize the, the puncture site or, or what, but I drew blood cultures and they came back positive. But the infection wasn't a common bloodstream infection and was more of a bacterial infection that you find more on the skin, more externally than, than internally. So I actually had to draw them again and then they came back negative. No, so I'm not sure if I didn't clean it properly with chlorhexidine or, or what, but that does tend to happen. And like, even though it doesn't matter how good of a nurse you are, if that happens to you, guess what? Now it's delayed to six days instead of just, just the three. Yeah, and, and more than likely a redraw them again. Mm -hmm. That's why they do it in two different spots. When yeah. my dad was at the hospital, same thing. Like he came in for something completely different and one out of two blood cultures are like positive for E. coli. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I told him, yeah, I don't think this is true. And they agreed the same thing. They don't think it's, you know, and he had no white count. So of course, even though the cultures say one thing, you have to use your clinical judgment as a doctor and everybody else to make that decision, whether that patient actually has an infection before they start treating it, you know, Correct. with whatever antibiotics. Yeah. And then the whole, we touched upon this before we said that it's really hard to diagnose because it looks very similar to other candida. So the other candida that looks very similar to is candida humiloni. I've never heard about it before. I don't really look much into it. But like we talked talk about before, if you think it's candida, this H1, and you're treating it for that, well, guess what? You're only making the candida aureus stronger, and you're not really yeah. treating the, the, the cause of this infection or the cause of this hypotension or, or the sepsis, right? So you're just delaying care even more. I so, think it'd be a cool podcast episode to even talk about nursing homes and how they're breathing, they're breeding these infections literally. And how does that happen? Because... You know, it's not on purpose, but it's not on purpose, mm -hmm. right? And it's survival of the fittest in a way too, where these infections were always happening, you know, because bacteria has been around for a while and patients died off, but now where we can keep people alive for longer, which creates these breathing grounds for these immunocompromised patients. And there we're technically hype we're technically breeding bacteria to be stronger in the future. Like it, it sounds a little bit crazy, but if you wrap your head around it, it makes some sense. Mm -hmm. It does because genetically wise, we're not meant to live forever, right? We're just meant to live for X amount of years, reproduce, and then we die and the next generation moves on. So with the elderly, elderly, it's crazy because they're staying, I'm not saying we should kill off our elderly sooner, but like they stay alive for long periods of times and they might have these new infections that we've never found out about. We might never find out. But the thing is that when they age, their immune system gets weaker, Yeah. right? So these infections become more prevalent. So an infection that might not do much damage to you or me is doing damage to these people because they have weakened immune system. Yeah, it's just like the VRE, correct? The vanco-resistant and uh, what's called a bacteria. Mm -hmm. Eventually, we keep giving vanco to these patients and the bacteria just figures it out on how to become resistant to this antibiotic. And then we have a bacteria that is immune to the strongest antibiotic. Now what? It's freaking wild, man. Right? It's wild. And we have to kind of condense and keep keep these bacteria in specific regions so there's no outbreaks yeah that yeah when we when we talk about this we're not like being you know just to reinforce what you're saying we're not saying elder people are bad and they should pass away or you know let's not keep them around but we're just giving you the reality of why these things are happening you know because consequences of how society is changing people are living longer so yeah. but it, the thing is like is it a consequence or is it just like a normal part of life you know because it, it, for it's food chain stuff, you know, like one thing happens, another thing gets compensated for it. Yeah, f yeah. For millions of years, Earth has been has been developing. There's been bacteria that's growing. Bacteria has been dying. New ones being being like developed or whatever. All the ones fading away. It's just how life cycle works. Like Matt said, you know, one strain might die off, 
other strain might become more prevalent a new strain might might show up just like like polio like polio was prevalent you just know, like c19 now x here. amount of years ago yeah x amount of years ago and now it's not as prevalent but now we're seeing it emerge back you know it's just that's just the life cycle of, of how life basically is yeah but remember polio there's an outbreak because of the oral intake of it from bill gates but anyways <laughs> let's talk about pulling in an abortion because we're going to get off always oh, got here. a few more over here let's educate everybody regarding this because they might actually see this so who's actually at risk for c aureus so same thing with a, every kind of blood infection people that are at higher risk for c aureus are going to be elderly people that have any kind of invasive lines central lines any kind of tube feeds any kind of ventilators all all those things that are a breathing grounds for other infections so also, so the top risk factors are going to be recent surgery, diabetes, any kind of broad-spectrum antibiotic or antifungal use, and then prior previous fungal infections. Those yeah. are going to be like your main ones. And this has shown to not discriminate between age, so infants can get it, elderly can get it. So just, just, just be careful. But this is more of like through invasive lines, through you know, sepsis kind of uh, criteria, not like C19 where it's airborne and yeah, you get it through there. This the is Yeah, this is usually happens to people that are a little bit more immunocompromised than than the rest of society. Yeah, ju just like we have bacteria and things living on our body and they're opportunistic infections. So they, if they have the opportunity to infect and create a problem, they will open wounds, cuts, fully catheter sites, right? That's why, you, that's why we're so crazy on infection rates and cleaning patients. And if you have centralized in the hospital, we got to wipe down patients every shift with mm -hmm. chlorhexidine, just how, you know, things work. Yeah. And when it comes to treating it, basically C. aureus is a treatable infection and it's with antifungals called acenocandins, right? That's how you pronounce it? I, I think so. So it's, it's a group of antifungals. I think there's three different classes. And unfortunately, this infection is resistant to all the main ones. I'm not too sure what exactly antifungal we're using in the hospital when I was treating this patient. Because when I had this patient, actually, um, they were in what's it called? Comfort care. So everything got discontinued and I didn't like think to like chart uh, look back and see what um antifungal they're using yeah yeah so like mindset yeah echinocandins but what they're also saying is that so this is the one that's been shown to work the best for for c aureus but there's also a lot of strains that are, are resistant to all our antifungal yes. classes so when they're resistant to all of our classes all we do is basically give a high dose of each really strong one and hopefully one of them takes Right. And, and that's and that's what we talked mm -hmm. about in the beginning of the show is this is where it creates complications because your body, your kidneys, whatever, could only take so much mm -hmm. of this medication. And then we start getting into issues like kidney failure and acute kidney injury yeah. and stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. Yo, you, like you go septic and your kidneys fail and then if your kidneys fail, guess what? You're not able to clean your body, liver, liver, you go into liver failure, you go into cardiac shock. It's it's a whole fucking shit show. Dude. It's, it's a cascade. That's why we want to catch it quick. That's why the thing, that's why like when you're suspect of sepsis. What do we do right away? The fluids, bundle. yeah, fluids and cultures. Because there's no way we we could treat you. We could we could treat your symptoms if you're hypotensive. You give your pressures, but guess what? If you're have a, if you're septic and you have a bacterial fungal blood infection and we keep giving your pressures, we're not solving the issue. We're not killing the bacteria. We're just keeping your blood pressure elevated so you can buy you some more time. And it's crazy to think about that. That's why fluid cultures right away. Everybody gets them. If you come to the hospital hypotensive and you have a fever. Rural sepsis, first thing. And it's very important. I'm glad. I'm not sure when the sepsis bundle was actually first taken seriously or, or became standard. That's pretty interesting to probably look at when it became yeah, standard. It's a CMS standard. Yeah, now. because I guarantee you with the sepsis bundle upon ER admission probably saved millions and millions of lives. Whoever thought about this idea about a curious bundle is, a, is thank you and 
fucking clutch. Yeah, and not to mention, we're also tracking lactics, right? We're doing them every... Yeah. Depends on what they are. You know, If they're above two, we're going to track them every... Is it six hours? Jeez, mm-hmm. I'm blanking out on a sepsis bundle here. And um, that's just another indicator of how bad an infection is and whether we're going the right way or the wrong way. You know, lactic is five. We give freaking two liters of fluids. If lactic is trending down, that means we're doing something good. If it's trending up, we better be doing something more, pressors yeah. or whatever the situation is. Yeah, on to about on one more thing. So when somebody comes in with an infection that, let's say, resistant to all our antibiotics, or in this case, like the three fungal classes and the fungal classes. So what we're really banking on at that point is we're going to give you the one probably from each class, the strongest one for each class, and we're going to give them all to you. Why? Because we're hoping that that out of those three antifungals, each antifungal is going to be able to kill a little bit of those fungal, um, are they, would they be fungal cells? So I would kind of say that every single antibiotic has a different mechanism of mm. action. Yeah. One would attack the spore, one is going to attack the cell wall, maybe one is going to inhibit the nucleus, whatever it is. Mm. We're just going to give you all freaking three and see if you know this bacteria could take all three you yeah. know different attacks on its um structure exactly that's perfect that's exactly what i want to say beautiful i got you man respect dude you're a little fist pump i've been for a while yeah i know uh you, you want to continue to the poland oh uh, yeah yeah we can do poland so if you guys that don't know uh poland has recently changed up their abortion rights rights so they have made it stricter for people to get for women to get abortions so now women in Poland, well, this for, this hasn't been fully passed because there have been protests. So so Poland's highest court ruled that abortion due to fetal defects are unconstitutional. So moving the country towards a near total ban on termination and sparking angry protests in the capital of Warsaw. So if you have a child that you know is going to have a fetal defect, some kind of uh, an issue, um, I can't really think of one on top, top of my head, but let's say... Let's say they know for sure genetically that this patient is or this child is going to have some kind of a a neurotube defect or something like that that you know is going to result in them dying at the age of five or three or just having a really hard time through childhood. You cannot abort those babies. Yeah, you can't. You have to go through with the with the with the pregnancy. I'm looking at this because Poland literally is in protests mm-hmm. at their capital for this. And this is the most intense that the country has been protesting since 1989, which was the collapse of communism. Yeah, where uh, that's yeah, that was the Solidarność um, protest, right? Yes. So this was the because a lot of people don't know that we were living under communism for a very long time. Like Poland is a very young country that's um, emerging, you know. And like, Poland's a very old country. We'll, we'll be biased here because we're from Pol- both from Poland, right? So we're kind of like. Um, how, how would I say this? We're kind of talking about our own country. Yeah. Which is good because, you know, would you rather have somebody from, like, Mexico talking about, about Poland? You know, yeah. It, it makes our opinion a little bit more valid. Yeah. Like, you know, if I'm going to, like, talk about protests going on in Mexico and I've never been to Mexico and I have nobody in my family that's from Mexico or Mexican descent, it's not as authentic. Yeah. And, like, Polish people, they take very they're, – they're very prideful in their nationalism because, you know – whatever happened with, you know, the communism, concentration camps, the killing of, you know, a lot of Polish officers, Polish Jews and everything that happened, we were very quick on standing up for what's kind of right. And this is taking away the right to have the freedom to decide because in Poland, 98% of the abortions are a result of fetal defects. Mm -hmm. So now this is going to get passed and it would force women to carry a child that they don't know if the baby's going to survive. That's not fair. That's a lot of trauma. Not even and think about it. What the also what I read up on is imagine 
somebody telling you you can't have an abortion, but your child is going to have a lot of fetal defects and you have to deliver this baby. And now, because the child's gonna have a bunch of fetal defects, you might not be able to carry this this, this child full term. Yeah. So your risk of death is increased, and then your risk of death going through labor is increased. Not only and that, and you know that that this child that's gonna come out, gonna going to come out of you is going to die within you know 24, 36 hours after birth. Like imagine that. Right. Like, but you have to you have to do it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that your risk of death increases during your your pregnancy and during labor. We're gonna make you carry this baby even though. The baby's not going to survive very long. And you know, like the postpartum blues, like depression and stuff like that, that's already bad. Imagine adding on to that. Like, that's not necessary. And and I agree, like, even though I'm like pro-choice, correct? Like, I, I believe that we shouldn't be killing, you know, babies and stuff. Like, I think that they should be allowed to make their own decision. So I have a question for you. This is this is going to be a little bit of an iffy question. It's so. a it's a double edged sword, and I'm sure I'm ready. For, I'm ready and, for it. And a, and a nurse actually asked this, and I overheard her talking about it. And it's like, damn, it's a fucking good point. So, okay, there's a fire in a lab, okay? Uh, there's 100 Petri dishes and a, and a baby in a crib. Which one are you, you can be save one. Which one are, are you going to save? What kind of Petri dish is it? Of, uh, like, embryos. Embryos? Yeah. That's tough, man. Right? Well, that's, that's or a, a child in a crib. Which one are you going to save? I mean, technically, the thing that's alive. Because right? Because I could resemble, I could, um, res- not resemble, I could make... I have more of an emotional connection to that baby because it's actually alive. I physically see it. Mm-hmm. It's a human being compared to those embryos. Right. Is so I would go for the baby, yeah. But even though there's a hundred embryos in a petri dish, it's technically a hundred babies, right? Yes, technically. Isn't that crazy? Is that that's the first time I've ever heard anybody ask that question? I'm like, damn, that's a good point. That's a straight, like, very good pro-choice kind of thing right there. Because I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm pro-choice. I don't want it to be used. I don't want abortion to be used as a contraceptive. That's not right. But definitely pro-choice. Yeah, yeah. I, it definitely shouldn't be thrown around like you know, let you know, freaking Susie here slutting around and sleeping with guys and not using protection, not putting condoms on, and then you know she's just gonna, it's just another day to the office mm-hmm. to get an abortion. That's messed up, man. That shouldn't be. Yeah, you know what I mean, like naughty, naughty to those parents. That's some shit. To be yeah. like the like you know how there's like local. People that hang out around bars because you know they're alcoholics right. and they come and drink like a like a local abortion yeah, that's, girl that comes in. That's dude, Susie. That'd be fucked up. She's that's a money that, maker. That, yeah. yeah, that's messed up. So, anyways, like yeah, I, I believe that Poland and the women they should reverse this court ruling and they should have the ability to make their own decision. Yeah, that's like I said, Poland's very conservative. They're very they yeah. have a very close uh, governmental and church kind of uh, mindset. Poland's very Catholic, like 90-something percent of well, the people in Poland are, are, are Catholic. Yeah, so you know how, like, in America, we don't have crosses in public buildings because we have, like, the freedom of religion? Yeah, we, we separate church from state. Yeah, like, the state and the church is connected in Poland, and, like, that's why this is such a big deal. They're, like, they're just saying, get the hell out of here with the church, and, like, when I'm calling my family on the phone in Chicago, they're like, oh, my God, this is so bad. They're, tr- they're trying to get rid of the church because they're very, very involved in their faith you know yeah that's interesting like they're nothing wrong with religion um, i don't hate religion but there has to be a separation because because religion is is faith-based uh law and order is not really even though the laws themselves are going by with faith that's why it's very similar like the state and the church are very similar because technically you both abide by the concept of, of faith correct like laws wouldn't exist if you didn't believe in the laws right freedom of speech wouldn't exist if you didn't believe in freedom of speech agreed you know so that's where where it comes similar and, and that's where it comes become tricky to, to separate but 
things like abortion, things that are, are more on the religious aspect should definitely be be um, not be involved with, with state issues. Like gay marriage, you know, abortion, w- um, what kind of religion you should, you should follow, what's the religion of, of the country. There shouldn't be a country religion, you know, because that, that's, that's not good separation. That's basically forcing you to believe in someone else's beliefs. Yeah. And that's kind of Poland's did for the most part. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll track. We'll keep you guys updated. This is happening in our country, and we're, you know, we're pretty on the money with this. Yeah. So, But the good thing is that people are saying that the protests are nonviolent, and they're working, and that this law should be be reversed sometime, hopefully, in, in, the, in the future. Like, they were saying that there's only one outbreak of violence, and that was with uh, Polish soccer hooligans, which yeah. is... Uh, I did not expect anything less out of our Polish soccer fans in, in Poland. Hell no, man. Dude, I remember when I was younger, I wanted to go to a, a soccer game in Poland. My uncle would not let me go. Because, because of this reason. Because it's for that reason. Like, you know, people get hyped on a football and, and baseball here. Well, in Poland, it's soccer, but it's like... <laughs> You'll get your ass beat. Yeah, you get your ass beat. Like, if you come to the wrong part of town during a soccer game and, you know, there's a scuffle, yeah, your, your ass is getting whooped. Like, this is, like, a whole different kind of thing. Like, Green Street Hooligans kind of shit. Yeah. That's the kind of shit we deal with, with in Poland, man. Yeah, it's a, it's a European thing, man. Soccer is, mm-hmm. like, deeply ingrained, man. They, they take pride in it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's so beautiful about the sport. Like, when I watch, like, my national team play, like, I get, like, chills when I'm watching soccer. Like, I'm just like, man, like, this is, like, yeah. it's big. And you guys see like chants in a football and baseball, dude. Soccer chants are wild, man. It's like competition. It's just like if one side chants, other side, other guys like other sides like they're chanting. Let's hit them with our chant, and it's like they have songs that they sing throughout the games, and just like a bunch of loud ass dudes and a bunch of loud, other loud ass dudes drinking alcohol, and it's just a room. It's just like a shit show, man. It's yeah. a complete shit show, but and, it's fun to watch. And it's funny because you'll uh, if you look at news, there's gonna be there's soccer games that are like postponed. Because the freaking fans are like lighting up those like sticks, flares. the flares and the smoke, mm-hmm. like yeah, man, soccer fans are one of a kind. Yeah, there's like a if there's like a scuffle between a team, like let's say a player hits another player, like dude, people like run out on the field, they start like throwing shit at like on on the field, they start throwing, they start causing fires, like it's insane. There's so much smoke. If you watch like a not anymore because of social distancing and this whole C19, but if you go back or if you just YouTube like like craziest football matches in, in England. Uh, some of those ones, there's so much smoke there where you can't even see what's going on, dude. There's, people are insane. I love it. Yeah. All right, let, let's talk about the election. So we just found out this morning when we woke up. It's actually Saturday, November 7th, as we're recording this. Yet Joe Biden has won the election. So congratulations, Joe. And we'll just talk about some opinion here. We'll free flow it. So... I think we're we're entitled to opinion. We yeah. we we're at the podcast. We're very good at giving perspective. We usually don't give people opinions, so we'll just. Um, I think this is the first election that we got. I'm I'll be honest. Quite frankly, we did get sucked into it a little bit. This oh is, hell yeah! We got sucked into it more than any kind of other election, and we're kind of like everybody did. Yeah, we were so sucked in. Social media sucked us in fairly well, even though we were pretty immune to it before. But I think since we're we're older now, we're kind of we kind of see the, the the bigger picture a little a little bit better. But we definitely got got sucked in because in the past we're always like you know, president president election doesn't really matter because you know one person can just pass all all these laws, and I feel like we kind of lost that. Like we were a little bit pol- polarized. No, I'm not going to tell you guys who I voted for, you know, because it's none of your business. But Well, then that's the problem. All, yeah. of, all of social media was polarized. All of news was polarized. They, mm-hmm. So they created this reality of polarization. And it's like we have 
AI that's in front of our cell phones that are plugged in and they're feeding us this information. Like, look at all these Netflix documentaries we're watching. We know that without a reasonable doubt that our phones are, we know that they're spying on us, but they're also giving us specific newsfeed articles based on our personality. Me and me and Peter actually switched um, like Facebook feeds and we're scrolling through our Facebook feeds and we noticed like how like bored we got easily and what kind of ads Peter had based on like what he looks. It's it's very, very interesting. Yeah, because you guys don't know, like like Facebook and Instagram, you know when you um, scroll down and like refresh your page, they're not feeding you the, the newest post or the newest information. They're feeding you the most relevant, what they think is most relevant to you. That's why people on social media a lot, they, they cause like their own echo chamber. Yep. Because social media is not gonna feed you something that, that's gonna disagree with you. It's not gonna give you a different opinion. It's gonna give you the same opinion that you've wanted and you've been looking at for for the x amount of years that did you have it why because they want you to keep reading it to keep to keep you being wanna, able to prove your own point yeah. like reinforce to keep reinforcing yeah you're correct you're correct you're correct and it's not giving the outside perspective of hey maybe you might, might be wrong so you yeah so basically i feel like facebook is just feeding your ego and it's feeding your right and everybody has their own right and we're creating this society that everybody's right we got a bunch of fucking smart ass people on that think they are on Facebook. No one is actually taking critical information, making their own think. It's just a bunch of group think is what we're, what's happening. Mm -hmm. Like everything is watered down on social media. The information that's banned is banned for a reason probably. Mm -hmm. And we just have this few opinions and we're all just swimming in the surface of this information. That's crazy how that works. It's just like constant reinforcement. So like when you Google something and you're not sure about and you have an opinion that might be wrong, but you keep trying to prove your own opinion correct, that's what they're gonna keep feeding you. They're gonna keep feeding you that over and over again. Like it's, for example, like let's say that you wanna do the paleo diet and you're looking up all looking up all these studies, why paleo is, is better than this and you're still kind of on, on the border of it, of it being the best, but you strongly believe that is the best. Well, guess what? Internet's gonna catch up on, catch up on that and they're gonna say, hey, Peter keeps looking up the benefits of paleo, the, why is paleo the best? Let's give them, let's keep giving them to them. Let's keep keep giving it to them. Let's keep giving them these little things that say, "Hey, paleo is the best." They're gonna they're gonna see ads. Why paleo beats keto? Why paleo beats intermittent fasting? Why you should do paleo? And you're gonna be like, "Damn, maybe I am right." You know, maybe just before I thought, maybe I'm I'm not right. Maybe I, maybe I'm wrong. But now I have to be right because all I keep seeing is paleo, paleo, paleo. So that I have to be right in that case. I'm correct. Paleo is the best. But no, you're fucking not right because that's just what you're getting fed to believe because that's what's keeping you on that phone, on that on that inner provider the longest, dude. I wonder how how does a vegan's newsfeed look in that case, right? Dude. Because I I eat meat, correct? But a vegan must be completely different and they'll have news feeds that completely reinforce the behavior of, yes, meat is bad. And they'll have these memes based on meat is bad. And it's like, dude, it, it, you're just spinning your own little bubble and everybody's spinning in their own little bubble. And I, and I wonder, like, what are the long-term consequences of this? For one, we were supposed to talk about elections, but somehow we're on this rabbit. It's still relevant. No, it is relevant. I feel like the less group, the, the more group thing we have, the less critical thinking that we're experiencing already because there's just, like, four opinions surfing on social media. You better choose one, and this is it. There's no other option correct yeah we're going into this rabbit hole of just we're gonna just, we're just gonna be puppets mm. puppets of like parrots of repetitive think man and that's that's scary we're going we're going into a dystopian future i feel like yeah we're in that zone where it's just where it's like or where it is it's either you're with us or against us and there's no in between like there's either 
this opinion is now fact, and if you don't agree with this opinionated fact, then you're 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 bad. Like that's that's bad in the sense of not only like with socializing, it's also bad for the future because how are you supposed to discover new things? How are you supposed to come to different concepts, different ways of doing things if it's always one way or the highway? That's not right. Like how are you gonna be able to form a better society and how are you able to get along if you don't take anyone's if you don't take anyone's opinion. Yeah, they could be wrong. I'm not always right, but you could also be wrong. Just because everyone agrees with it doesn't make it true, right? Just because everyone thinks one way doesn't mean that's the best way to think. And if everyone thinks one way and you're scared to hover around the border or you're scared to make a critical decision, well, guess what? You're not gonna progress anywhere as a society. Yeah. You're gonna be you're gonna be you're gonna be stuck. You're gonna be stuck, and then you're gonna see, not to be so nationalistic, but if the United States gets stuck in this mindset where this one opinion is is fact and this is how we should always be. That we're heading into a deep path and we're going to be overcome by by other countries like China, you know, in your countries in Europe. I'm not saying necessarily that, that we are, but that's kind of scary. And people are going to take advantage of you because you're going to be so much easier to infiltrate as a country. Because if they could infiltrate that one opinion, then, then there is no other opinion. There, there's your W. If you convince this one opinionated side on, on why they should do one thing over the other, well, guess what? You have them. And that's the power of information. Mm-hmm. That if you control the outlet of information you control the flow of what information is being given you are technically controlling society and you're manipulating them in every single way that you would like to so yeah like in these next days post-election i'm just going to be very careful of having like this third eye view and of course taking things with a grain of salt and seeing what's going to happen you know because now that all of america hated trump he's out of the office now technically i don't know if the results are final but that's what it seems like now what like, is news going to go back to happy endings now? Is everything getting better? Are the COVID cases going to go down now? Like, what what's going to be happening? That's just going to be my thing. Because we noticed that the news got super, super, like, just like you said, polarized with everything. This orange man is a bad person. Everything was, like, so negatively charged towards him. Okay, now he's removed. Now what? Hmm. Let, let's see if we could find all the solutions to all our problems, the vaccine, the case counts. Like, you know what I mean? Wonder what's going to happen. Right. All, all with one person, you know, this is, you know, we had a switch presidents and now everything is going to be back to normal. Because he was a scapegoat. You never know. You know see, whether you liked him or not, he was a scapegoat. He was a problem. All of our problems in where America were almost on him, the economy, the shutdowns, cases. Let's see what happens now. I'm, I'm very curious. Yeah. Dude, to me, the elections, I, I kind of lost. Lots focus on it a little bit, but presidential elections, it's like, it's a little political event. Like how much do they, do things really change when a new president comes to office? Not much. Not much, man. Not much. Not very much changes. What do you guys think the, what, the earth's going to catch on fire? The United States is, is going to, what do you think our stock market going to crash because Joe Biden got, got elected? What do you think these corporate, uh, these companies aren't going to, you know, make their revenues, aren't going to hit their sales? Do you think the election had any effect on iPhone sales? No. Absolutely fucking not. Do you think this election had had any kind of effect on consumerism? No. And if if it did, don't we think that it made it made us more as more consumers? Yeah. You guys think Amazon's gonna stop making money? You guys think Apple's gonna stop making money? Doesn't matter if they if they increase increase taxes on, on these corporations. Guess what? They're still gonna hit their revenues. They're still gonna hit hit their. They're still gonna make their shareholders happy because they're gonna keep making money. It doesn't matter how much you tax them. The stock market is not gonna crash. You know how many people in the stock if the U.S. stock market crashed right now. There's a reason why we have the elderly president in office right now. Why? Because we have a lot of elderly people in this country. And a lot of these elderly people, their, their money isn't under their pillows. Their 401ks are in stocks. They're living, they're living off the market. 
Yes, they are. The market is not gonna crash anytime soon. If the market crashes, crashes right now, I guarantee you Joe Biden would get thrown out of the office. I guarantee hundred percent. You know how many people's lives depend on on our stock market? Like majority of everybody, any majority of people that are retired and are living right now are living off the income from their stocks. They're selling them so they can live off it, and that's basically it. their pensions, their four one ks. Like that, that's in there, man. Like it's not going to crash. People are saying that Trump is not in office, so guess what? How is it going to be? Real estate is going to going to go to going to go to shit. Why? Why is it going to go to shit? What are people going to start living in, in the ocean? What's going to happen to us? We think it's going to go down. Just like they say that, just because Biden won, everything's going to get socialistic, right? Like it, this isn't just not going to happen overnight. Like we're not going to just like tax the rich all yeah. of a sudden. That that's why like you know Biden stands for these X Y's and you know X Y and Z reasons. I wonder how they're going to be fulfilled because everybody could talk a lot of smack, man. Yeah. The the view on our country is that we're either Republican, Democrat, we're either left or right. No, majority of the U.S. is basically in the center. Yes. So guess what? You're not gonna pass any kind of legis- legislator that's super far right or super far left it's not gonna happen it's gonna be like moderate it's gonna be more in the middle because you still have the house that, that has to pass these laws and approve them right and most people are in the middle just because it seems more polarized on one side and then more on the other it's not how it is it's just your perception of it it's really not like if you go and have a conversation let's say you're a republican and you go have the conversations with with a democrat you're most likely gonna have a lot more similarities and differences because even though you might consider yourself super left or super right Majority of people are in the middle. So you're going to agree on more things than you disagree with. The only reason, reason why why things are more politicized than others is because they can't report on something that everyone agrees with. They have to have a polarized because it has to be one person versus the other, right? Yeah. It's, it's never like, hey, Joe Biden and Trump have similarities on these topics. It's never like that. Why? Because then what's the point of picking another candidate if they're similar on majority of the topics? You have to, you have to hit the ones that, are, that, they're, that there are polar opposites on. Right, because then it wouldn't make sense. Because let's say the news says, "Well, we have Joe Biden as a Democrat, and we have Donald Trump that's a Republican, so we have these twenty concepts. On fifteen out of, out of twenty, they have similar viewpoints on. Great, right? Fifteen out of the twenty, they're very similar. Yeah. So, what's the point of electing a new guy if fifteen out of the twenty are being satisfied? They report on that. They don't because they have to polarize it. So they have to show you what they're different, different on, and you have to pick one side now. Yeah, that's the problem with news, man. They just prey on your. Mm. They prey on your nervous system. Mm-hmm. They know how to uh, exploit that, and that's exactly what's happening. That's what we've seen the whole time in news, like just like anything else, man. Like all of a sudden, everybody stopped, stopped talking about COVID for a week. You know, like cases are still happening. They just like talk about, oh, it's going bad, it's going bad. So I wonder if the news is going to say the opposite. I don't know, man. Just like the the Paris Agreement, correct? Like Trump left the Paris Agreement, and now people are saying okay. that okay, hey, in just a little bit, seventy days, we're gonna go back into the Paris Agreement. And once again, every nation is gonna stop the climate cat- catastrophe. But like, how much, how good was this Paris Agreement? Did every country actually follow it? What can be changed to that? Because it's not about just joining this pact. Because there's just a there's a lot of agreements that we've done that are complete shit. Yeah, these past four years have been presidential scandals you know collusion like it was it's all negative the whole russia thing bro. but somehow the um, the economy and market was 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 great yeah like half of uh, trump's election or presidency was us worried about the russian scandal and it was about fake news and that's the stuff that makes me wonder so so let, let's okay so all this the, the whole pony show went down right it ended meaning trump was in office russia scandal 
elections are freaking fraud. What's going on? This the pony show's over. And the, the news. B- but let me finish. Yeah. But the things that in, are in place are still going to be in place. And what mm-hmm. what what are those things? The fact checkers, the fake news, monet, uh, Facebook's t- uh, policies and conditions have changed. Now they could remove any kind of content mm-hmm. from the internet. So Trump has left the office, but now we have this massive surveillance of information. And now the American people are like, oh my God, information is fake. Control it for me. Tell me what's right. And that's the problem there where now the critical thinking is disappearing. Now we're just, hey, let us give this filtered information because we're scared of fake news. Yeah. And that's what's not leaving. And that that's what's crazy that these little events happen and, and ratifies and it amplifies things. And we're all, you know, very polar opposite. But the policies that are changing in like the back end, what's happening is only getting kind of worse if you think about it, which is scary because that's where like I get into conspiracies is like, hey, this control of censorship is kind of shifting away. Oh, hey, China's hacking us. What do we got to do? We got to create a new centralized Internet that's just in America. Now, all of a sudden, we don't know what's happening on the, around the world and we're in a bubble. Mm-hmm. And that's what's scary, man. That's what's scary where information is being censored more and more. Yeah, because if you think about it, like I said multiple times, like we hear, we hear all this hate for China and all that, but we really don't know what's going on in China. We don't, man. Like we could like China could be this paradise that we don't know about. This is know? propaganda that we get from the West, mm, yeah, just, just like know. Russia, man. But I'm really curious to see how this how the news are gonna switch, because MSNBC, ABC, all those news channels were making it seem like, hey, once Trump is out of the office, America's gonna be fucking great. Yeah, because what's what they're gonna? Re- I'm really curious on what they're gonna report on because every time, every day, you watch those news channels. Always Trump negativity, Trump negativity. Yeah. So we'll see what they're gonna talk. Trump's gone. No more negativity, supposedly. You guys, you guys said Biden's gonna be the best. You guys had so much hype for Biden. Let's see how what happens. Yeah. My thing is, you guys could hype it up all you want. You guys could talk shit about whoever you want. Not much is gonna change. Yeah. Not much is gonna change, dude. But like, but the problem is, is now for those outlets, is hey, there's gonna be less people watching the news now. There's gonna be lower ratings. How are they going to create their stories? How are they going to create their money? They got to just amplify some new shit. So like in a couple months or weeks, there's going to be some other little thing to talk about. And, th- and that's just a freaking carousel that we experience. And that's why it's good to just unplug and worry about your own shit because there's always going to be negativity on the news. It's just like a, it's like the negativity channels, what I kind of like to see it I'm going to be very annoyed if the media starts saying that Biden can't do this because Trump did this while he was in office. We can't do this because Trump did this while we were in office. Like, I don't want to hear that bullshit where we can't fix this because somebody else else broke it. Like, I don't want to hear that shit. You guys said you guys are going to be able to do a lot better job. Yeah. Then, then, then do it. I don't want to hear excuses like, oh, well, it would have been better if this wasn't passed two years ago. Like, what the fuck? Reverse okay. it. Yeah. Slavery, slavery shouldn't have happened either. And guess what? It happened, right? So we, 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 we move on, we figure it out, and we, and we move on from it, right? We better society. We don't look back. Well, this is how it was. Now we can't do anything about it, right? No, like I don't want to hear that the nonsense. And if the media starts reporting, because I feel like they are going to do that because they gotta keep hyping this negative, this negativity train. I feel like because like we've noticed before, we said it all the times where negativity drives you, drives media, and causes people to react, and they want you to react. They want you to come back for more. So if it keeps being this negative thing about this in the past, that in the past, I'm not saying forget history. I'm saying that if, that if you keep this, keep running on, the show running on, it's, it's going to be very fucking annoying. Yeah, it's just like the people that freaked out with like COVID and like bought a bunch of toilet paper. Mm, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. So now I, I wonder because there are, the vaccine is still not out. So 
what's what, what are going to go what are going to be the stories for this you know are we continuing this reinforcing of stay at home orders and masks and everything till the vaccine comes out is this the be all end all is this a solution to everything mm. just get a little needle injection and oh you're good to go you could not wear a mask anymore and you could get fresh air and life went back to normal like i don't know man i don't know See. what kind of ending we're going to be experiencing yeah this whole year 2020 has been has been wild it's been wild but we'll see but like, because but because we're the couple of nurses we'll keep you guys informed as always and we're going to stay on up to date with the news and i also want to mention that we love talking about this kind of shit and sometimes our episodes get deleted because of this that's why for those that are listening freaking like 50 minutes into the show i don't know how late we are we are creating patreon which we're gonna have open discussion and we're not gonna have to worry about people deleting us or deleting our episodes yeah thank you guys for staying this long don't forget to check out our vlog keep watching our episodes love you guys stay safe don't get angry with the election results if you if your candidate lost this does not gonna change a lot but in this episode just to reiterate we talked about crs we talked about the protests going on in poland regarding abor- abortion we touched a little bit upon the election as well. Have a safe evening, guys. Safe evening. Peace, guys.